Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible class. We're podcasting a Bible study posted each Wednesday evening at this time for those who are not able to be with us at the church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha uh, for our midweek Bible classes. We know there are people in the Omaha area even who want to be in God's Word. They want to learn. They want to grow spiritually. They want to grow in their faith, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. But we know also that there are people who listen to our podcasts across this land and literally around the world. Uh, People want to learn more from God's word. A whole lot of people are hungry to really learn the scriptures. So we're thankful that we have the opportunity and the means and the ability to post these Bible studies by through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful we can, God has blessed us to be able to teach his word in this way to so many people over such a wide span of this globe. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to him. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you as soon as you can to come and check us out in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, right here in Omaha, 3606 North 108th Street. And our Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. We come back together at 6 o'clock each Sunday evening for another period of worship and Bible study. And then on Wednesday evenings, right in the middle of the week, good time to get our spiritual batteries recharged, we come back together for our midweek Bible classes each Wednesday evening at 6.30. Now, you're welcome to any and all of these services. Come and check us out. Get to know us. Let us get to know you. Uh, Study God's word with us. Grow spiritually with us. Worship God with us. We hope to meet you very soon. If you're in other parts of the world, we're just thankful that we can be with you through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. Now, we encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you know people in your people in your life who need to grow in their faith, and they need to come closer to God. They need to start thinking about their soul's salvation and eternity, because it's coming. Help them to do that, to get ready, to change their focus. Help them get to heaven by, cha- by, by sharing these studies with them with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around and even get to heaven, and that'll be a great blessing for them, but it will also be a great blessing for you. Also encourage everybody to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, it's free. It always will be free. We don't charge people to teach them God's word. We just want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And when they, char- when they sign up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive on their smart device, whether that's their smartphone or computer or laptop or pad or tablet or whatever they choose, they'll automatically receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures. And they'll also receive a short Bible study every single day of the week called Today's Bible Class. Now, that's only about 13 minutes each day, but it's seven days a week keeping us in God's Word and thereby helping us to stay strong in our faith. 
All of that will be automatic and it will be free and always be free. So tell everybody you can and encourage them to sign up for our podcasting at churchofchrist.com. We're going to continue in our study of 1 John, and we're coming toward the end of this study. We're in chapter 5, and we're about halfway through that chapter. Now, again, John has just filled this particular short letter, 1 John, only five chapters, with just continual and encouraging instruction from God. And when we're reading the scriptures, that is God's word, as we keep emphasizing. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And that more literally translates, it is God-breathed. And the understanding there is, it is God's very word. The imagery is, is as though the words were flowing across the lips of God himself. But now, God is spirit, <laughs> so he's not physical, doesn't have a physical body as we could relate to. But again, the sense, the imagery is there. When we're reading scripture, we're reading God's very word. And John has written so much here, particularly to the individual Christian as to how to live our Christian lives. And the apostle Peter also talked about how this is God's very word. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, he said, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So I've run into, and, and perhaps you have too, but a number of times I've run into people who have, who have been confronted with teaching from scripture, and they said, well, that's the way you interpret it. That's the way you see it. We interpret it differently. We, we see it differently. Well, <laughs> that's not how scripture is intended to be understood by the author of that scripture, who is God. It's not a matter of interpretation. Peter brings that out. No prophecy of scripture is a matter of private interpretation. But the writers of the scriptures were guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write his very word. And so we need to pay attention and we need to be respectful of God's word, of scripture, of the Bible. Now, we're going to get back into 1 John chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 10. And so here, John says, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself he who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. When Jesus came into this world, he came to a specific group of people primarily, and that was the Jewish people. Now, that was because God had prepared those people going all the way back to the bloodline of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and then going through Abraham's son and then grandson and on down the bloodline, ultimately Jacob became the father of the, of, of, of the, of the 12 sons who became the, the forefathers of the 12 tribes of Israel. God raised up the nation of Israel to be his special people in that he was giving them the Old Testament scriptures 
And within those scriptures was prophecy, and not just a prophecy once or twice, but the Old Testament scriptures are filled with prophecies of the coming Savior, referred to as the Messiah also. But that Savior would be Jesus, the Son of God. And so those, those people, the Jewish people, they were supposed to be ready for the Savior to come. They were supposed to be looking for him because they had all of those Old Testament prophecies. And they should have been ready. They should have been eager for the Savior to come. And then through them, as Jesus would come and establish the church upon this earth, that would transition the Jewish people into Christianity, and then they would spread the gospel of Christ all over the world to the Gentile people, most of whom did not even believe in God at that time. But they would be taught the gospel. Well, when Jesus came, the Jewish people, for the most part, rejected him. Now, I know there were thousands who became Christians, but when you consider the overall population of that nation of people, most of them, by far, the vast majority, rejected him. They were not, he, he was not the image of the Savior they were wanting to see. They were wanting some, well, I think we could even use the term magnificent, charismatic leader to come. And if not be a military leader himself, at least raise up a military that would be powerful enough to drive out the Roman occupants or occupiers of their nation and restore the nation of Israel geographically to its former glory. Well, Jesus came born into this world, the son of a carpenter, and he did not go about preaching insurrection against the Roman government. He did not preach revolution. He did not preach military might. He preached the gospel, the saving message of the gospel, which came from the throne room in heaven itself. He came as a spiritual leader, not a military leader, not a, not a world governmental leader, political or anything like that. He came as a spiritual savior. And the Jewish people, for the most part, again, the vast majority, that's not what they were looking for. That's not what they wanted in a savior. So they rejected him. Well, here John says, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. One of the, well, probably the, the biggest challenge for the church in the first century, and certainly over those first couple of decades after Jesus went to the cross, was buried in the tomb, arose victorious over death, presented himself, risen to hundreds and hundreds of, of individuals over the next 40 days, and then ascended back to heaven with the instructions to give, uh, that he gave the apostles to preach the gospel everywhere, all over the world. And he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. The church being established 10 days after Jesus ascended back to heaven, 10 days after, on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the church comes into existence. And the biggest challenge 
for the church initially was to teach the Jews the gospel, to teach them and, and, and persuade them through God's word to become Christians. That was very difficult for so many of those Jews to accept, to make that change. And it, it became even more challenging when the apostles and those, those early Christians, those who became Christians, started teaching Gentiles the gospel of Christ. And when they started becoming Christians and the apostles were saying, listen now, they're equal with us in Christ. Even many of the Jews who had become Christians had a difficult time with that because they had always looked at themselves as God's special people, his chosen people, and they looked down on the Gentiles as people who were heathens, barbarians. They did not believe in God. And now to all of a sudden be required to accept Gentile Christians on an equal basis as themselves, as they had become Christians, very, very difficult for them. Big challenges for the early church. When you go back to Acts chapter 2, Peter addressed that in that, we could call it a scathing sermon, to the Jewish men on Pentecost. Thousands were gathered there on that occasion, and he pulled no punches In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 22, he said, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Jesus came, and and the highlight of his, his ministry on this earth was not the miracles, It was the gospel message of salvation. The miracles were simply a means to let the people see, I am God's son. I am here. I am your savior. I'm the Messiah that you've been looking for, reading about, learning about for hundreds of years in your scriptures. And so God demonstrated powerfully that Jesus came by his authority, and everything that Jesus said was true. And his identity as the Son of God and the Savior of mankind was absolutely true. He performed those miracles demonstrating the power of God within him. And so Peter says, you know he did those things. You know he did these miracles and wonders and signs in your midst. You know about them. Many of those gathered there on that day on Pentecost had probably seen different ones or knew people who had seen them. Verse 23, Peter goes on and says, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. And so even though they the Jewish leaders tried to shut Jesus down by having him crucified at the hands of the Roman soldiers and the Roman government. God raised him from the dead, victorious over death. And then in verse 36, 
Peter goes on and says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly, beyond any doubt, absolutely, that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So there is no question Jesus is the Savior. So we come back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God. Now, see, if you don't believe in Jesus, then John is laying out the understanding that that means you don't believe God. Again, what does the verse say? If we receive the witness of men, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so to not believe in Jesus is to not believe God because Jesus, rather God, demonstrated through the miracles and the signs and the wonders that Jesus did and raising Jesus from the dead particularly, God demonstrated, this is my son, your savior, I sent him, he's from me. You don't believe in him, you don't believe me because I've demonstrated that my power, my authority is behind him and in him. So he who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given of his Son. A testimony? The miracles, the signs, the wonders, the gospel message of salvation. And also, we could think about all of the prophecies, the prophecies of the coming Savior that the Jewish people knew because they had studied them for generations, and Jesus fulfilled those prophecies in minute detail. Verse 11, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Again, John is not mincing words here. There are people who say they believe in God, but they don't believe in Jesus as the Savior, as, the, as God the Son, the Messiah. Jesus said again in John 14 and verse 6, you can't get to God without me. You can only go to God through me. John is saying that basic basic principle again right here. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So it's a package deal, so to speak, (laughs) when we boil it down. If you want to be with God, you've got to come to him through Jesus. That's the only way. 
If you don't believe in Jesus, you're not walking with God. In his second letter, John said in only one short chapter there in Second John, but he said in verse 9, whosoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So if you say, well, we love God and we, we just, well, we're following God. What about Jesus? No, no, we don't follow, we don't love, uh, we, we don't believe in Jesus. No, we believe he, maybe he was a great prophet, but the Son of God, the Savior, God the Son, no, we don't believe that. Well, you're not walking with God. And that's not me speaking. That's God speaking through his word, through his word. So when you think of those huge populations of humanity that say openly and emphatically they believe in God, but they do not believe in Jesus as God the Son, as their Savior, and the only way to God, God's word here says they're not walking with God. They don't have God. does not matter how many people are parts of those religious groups. You see, salvation is not a popularity contest. Walking with God in faithfulness is not open to a vote, and then most votes win. We simply need to follow God's word. God's word. Again, what does it say? This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. If we go back to chapter 2 in 1 John, we look at verse 23, and here again, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Has the Father also. Um, let's go back to John, the gospel account according to John, and, and let's, let's read there and basically parallel in, in emphasis. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, verse 14 identifies the word there as Jesus, God the Son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And back up to verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. Huh. We think about Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Speaking of Jesus, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of salvation to all those who obey him, who obey him. John was very straightforward in this fifth chapter of 1 John. 
verses 10 and 11 and 12. There is no eternal life except through Jesus. There is no walking in faithfulness with God except through Jesus, except through Jesus. And then in verse 13, John goes on and says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Jesus is the only way to God, the only way to salvation, to eternal life, the only way to heaven. Now, truth is truth, whether people believe it or not. Truth is truth, whether it makes people mad or not. Arguing with truth, well, that is basically a fool's proposition. We'll continue our study next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending us your son to bring the message of salvation, the gospel, to establish the church, Christianity upon this earth. Thank you for giving us the way to come to you And that way is through Jesus. Help people to see all over the world, to open their eyes, to open their hearts, and to embrace this wonderful blessing that you offer of forgiveness, redemption, salvation, eternal life, a home with you in heaven through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you. Help people come to you through Jesus. Please, Father, we pray at this time. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.